Let's go back to John chapter 4, and we'll preach what I intended to preach this morning, only it'll be an abbreviated version. I would really, I would have expanded this more, uh, but, but I want to get to this. John chapter 4. Uh, verses 46, let's read. Let's start in verse 46 and read through 54. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of, of Judea uh, into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. Well, let me go ahead. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth. And himself believed and his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. It's amazing how how abbreviated, how brief the stories like that in the in the Bible are, you know, especially in the Gospels. They're just so uh, there's nothing wasted. There's if I was writing, that'd be a lot longer story because I'd put in a lot more details. And so would you. But God just didn't do that. He, it's so pared down to the bare necessity of what we need to know about this. And God made us intelligent enough to figure the rest out because there's things that are just... I mean, they're just pat things. I mean, it's always the same. Human nature, the way things work. You can see what happened here. So, although he was in his own country where he had no honor, like we talked about this morning, there were people there who needed him and sought him out for help. And Jesus didn't overlook them because of the others who refused to honor him. He went there, like I said this morning, because they wouldn't honor him. He went there because of that. Because there's people there, this man in particular, needed him. And this man sought him out. And it wasn't a lowly servant or a common man that sought him out. It was a noble man that sought him out. A noble man. That's somebody that's higher up, higher class. Uh, the elite, more elite people. Not just the common man on the street, common laborer, common poor guy. Uh, a noble man. I think that's worth noting. We 
we overlook things like that, you know. I know I've said it before, but one of our neighbors in Mexico asked me one time, she said, why do missionaries come here and they just go to the poor people? Why don't some of them go to the doctors and the lawyers and the rich people? Because there's a lot of them down there. And I said, well, because they won't listen. That's the most, that's the biggest reason. But some of them will. And that's what's amazing. We, you know, we had two miscarriages when we were down there, and uh, we sat and talked to a doctor one day. He said for an hour and a half talking to us. I mean, a doctor in a big hospital, and he questioned us and found out why we were there and what we were doing, and he was very interesting. Very another doctor that were the second round. She had surgery and stuff, and and that doctor. <laughs> He was the same way, the surgeon. He talked to us, and he had grown up in a little town down in uh, another, down there by the sea. What's that city on the sea? Uh, no, Veracruz. And anyway, I think that's where it was, but anyway, it doesn't matter. He, he was telling us about when he was a kid and some missionaries that came down there and how that they come out and gathered the kids together and played ball with them and stuff, trying to teach them things. So the doctors and the lawyers and the richer people, they need to hear too. And sometimes they're the ones with the needs while the poor people turn up their nose. That's just the way this world is. And we don't need to get stuck in our ruts. And we don't need to get narrow in our vision. We need to realize that all people need Christ. And there are some in every class of people that need Him. You know, we criticize a lot of these modern ministries and stuff, but some of them are doing what no independent Baptist is doing. They're going to those people that the independent Baptists won't have nothing to do with. They think they're too far gone, I guess. I don't know. Ain't nobody too far gone. Church is alive when you when you start reaching out to people. I've been in churches and I could point out things that were wrong, but that's what profit is there in that. What I have seen, I've tried to see the good in what I could see in churches. Uh, there was a church in Houston, still there. But I remember that church well because in spite of whatever was wrong, they were a going church. They had missions down on the docks. They had missions in the prisons. They had missions where where the Mexicans all lived. Mm-hmm. I mean, they worked hard, yes, and and they were out there all the time trying to reach those people. And they didn't try to drag them all into that church and bust them all in there so they could have a big. No, they built. They put a mission down there and a mission down here. They had people on the streets in downtown Houston preaching all the time. And had a mission down there. And so when they came to church, it was lively in a good way. Everybody was excited. And everybody was emotional about the right thing. We just forget that. Jesus didn't forget it. There's a lot of people turn up their nose and, and smirk and make fun and criticize that kind of deal but 
Jesus ignored all of them. A nobleman whose child was about to die. They have children and they have children who die. They have deaths just like everybody else does. Death is no respecter of persons. The rich, the poor. The high and mighty, the low and the humble. It doesn't matter. Death comes knocking. It's the same old thing. It feels the same for both parties. This noble man came and his child, his son, dying. He wasn't just sick, he's dying. That's a different thing. He didn't just have the sniffles. He didn't have the measles. He didn't have just a fever. He was dying. And so he's desperate. He needed a miracle. But he hadn't come to Jesus just to see a miracle. Jesus said, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And it says he said that to him. But there's people listening. I think Jesus really meant for everybody to hear that because that was everybody's problem. Everybody came to see the miracles. Is that what you do? Is that the way we do in our life? Do we operate that way? Do we want to see a miracle? Or do we need a miracle? That's the difference right there. And that's what I want to point out to you here tonight. He needed a miracle. He hadn't come to Jesus just to see a miracle. And you can see it in the text because of the way the conversation went there. A lot of people come to see a miracle, but they never see one. Herod wanted to see a miracle, and Jesus would not even answer him. Others hoped to see some great thing done by him. He wouldn't do it. He ain't going to do it for show. He ain't going to perform for us like a, a genie in a bottle or a, a dog on a chain. He ain't going to do that. In order to see a miracle from Jesus, you must need a miracle from Jesus. The nobleman said in verse 49, Sir, and that word means Lord. You know, in Spanish, there's just one word for sir and Lord. Señor, that's Lord. That's sir. It's the same word. Sir, come down, lest ere my child die. Jesus said, except you see signs and wonders, you'll not believe. And all he was concerned about. He, I didn't come here to ask for a, a show or a performance. I did, I'm just saying my child's going to die. Help me. And of course, people don't know how to get help from the Lord. And that stands true for most people who sit in churches. They just don't know how to go about getting help from the Lord. They just pray as one beat in the air. They pray at the ceiling. They pray at an imaginary image in their mind or something. <laughs> what, when Jesus, When did Jesus ever work a miracle... When there was no great need. Answer me that. He didn't. He did not. He never did a miracle just so they could be wowed. When did Jesus ever work a miracle without someone asking for themselves or interceding for someone else? That, that was the, that's the key thing. They had to have a miracle. 
And it was not for show. It wasn't something to brag about. It was some great need that was life or death. How do you get a miracle from God when you need a miracle? Well, the situation has to be desperate. And let me tell you about life. You think when you're young that you're in some desperate situations. But you don't know what desperation is. As life goes on, somebody, somewhere, keeps turning the knob and increasing the volume and the power. And so you, you learn what it is to really be desperate. When you're young, you're desperate to get a driver's license. You're desperate to, you know, get, a, get past your birthday like says talking about this morning. <laughs> Stuff like that. Or you're desperate to get somebody in, in sight to marry. Desperate. Oh, it's a different thing when you're about to lose part of yourself. It's got to be life or death. It's got to be desperate. Jesus doesn't perform miracles for the eyes of skeptics and superstitious thrill seekers. He don't do it. He will not do it. If there's any element of that in it, you will not see a miracle. It's got to be life or death. Mark chapter 9, and that, and I'm not going there, but the... Jesus came down off of the mountain and the, the, the boy possessed with a deaf and dumb spirit. Unclean spirit. Deaf and dumb spirit. Remember? Yes. This kind can come forth by nothing. Remember his father? And how desperate he was. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. With tears. Well, what did he get? He got a miracle. And it wasn't for show. It wasn't for bragging rights. It wasn't for Him to be exalted in any way. He didn't start a ministry after that going to churches and telling about the miracle that He'd experienced and all of that that God had done for Him. No, it was just a life and death situation. How you get a miracle from God has got to be that kind of situation. And you've got to ask for it. You've got to ask for it. You can't just take for granted that God's going to do whatever you need. What if this man would have just stayed home and said, boy, I sure hope my son lives. He didn't. He went up. If you'll notice in your Bible, up and down have great significance when it's part of the text. He wanted Jesus to come down where he was. It says that twice. But Jesus didn't go down. That man came up to Jesus. And then that man went back down to his house. We'll get to that in a second here. But you got to ask for it. you got to go to Jesus to ask. And you got to look up. And you got to rise up. you got to go up. You can't be looking straight across. You can't go to man for help. You're not going to get a miracle by asking men for help. You want a miracle? You're going to have to ask God for it. And you're going to have to have a great need. And you're going to have to ask it for the need, not for the show. That's the thing that I object to with the Pentecostals because it's a show. 
It's all about miracles. And, the, and it's about the showy part of it. It's the superstitious fascination of the supernatural. That's what they're looking for and that's what they seek after. And they, You don't get a real miracle that way. Do I believe in miracles? You better believe it. I heard a song the other day and I told her that's a good song. There's a miracle in me. Did you ever hear that song? Yeah. There's a miracle in me. Jesus granted the man more than he asked for. In just in just such short words, go thy way, thy son liveth. No expounding on it, no explaining it, no qualifying it or or what's the other word, you know, I mean he, he didn't put any ifs with it. Go thy way, thy son liveth. That's what the man had to go on. That's all he had right there. Jesus said, Go thy way, thy son liveth. The noble man asked him to come down and heal his son. Kind of like Martha and Mary. Lord, if thou hadst been here, our brother had not died. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. But now it's too late. As if he evidently supposed that it was necessary for Jesus to be there in order for his son to be healed. And that's what I'm talking about. People don't know how to get help from the Lord. They don't understand that He can speak the Word and that's all it takes. He doesn't have to come down to where you are to do it. Their hope lay in the things that he could do while they watched. We got to see you do it in order to believe. Ain't it good enough for you that it's done? And you didn't see how it happened? You don't know how it happened, but it's done. That's kind of like salvation is. It's more than you ever thought. And you don't know. How can you explain what happened? When you were born again. How can you explain it to somebody? You can't. Do you know it happened? Oh yes, you do. The blind man in John chapter 9, that's what he said to the Pharisees. They said, is this man a sinner? And he said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. All I know is that I was born blind and now I see. That's what I know. And I don't know how it happened. I don't know what part of it did it, but I'm just telling you, that's, the, that's what happened. There is a miracle in me. You're looking at a miracle. This man learned that his hope lay in what Jesus said, what He said, not in what He could watch Him do or see Him do. Didn't lie in any method or medicine or hocus pocus tricks or saying the right words just the right way. It wasn't in anything like that. All his hope lay in go thy way, thy son liveth. How much breath did it take to say that? <laughs> you see how easy it was for the Lord to do the impossible 
what nobody else could do. What about the woman that touched the hem of his garment and he felt virtue go out of him? He didn't do anything. She just touched him. That's all it took. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Can the Lord furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God? Oh, He can do it so easy that we what looks to us like an insurmountable problem, impossibility, is nothing with God. And we just have to ask, have a need and ask. Trust God instead of ourselves, our own devices, other men and their devices. Just trust Him. He would have never heard those words if He hadn't went up to Jesus where He was. And He would have never heard those words if He hadn't petitioned Him and asked Him. You ask and you receive. I got that verse here in a minute here, but Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. He went his way without a token, without anything to prove it, nothing in hand to show, nothing to look at, nothing to confirm it that he had physically or any other way. Jesus said, go thy way. And he turned and went home without Jesus following him. He believed. You understand that? Without a fleece, without any kind of sign, nothing. He went home empty-handed with only the words, thy son liveth. And as he was going down, down, what do you reckon the trip home was like for him? What would it have been like for you? So, well, if Jesus said it, I'd go home shouting the victory. Oh, baloney, don't tell me that. You'd have went home wondering. I know that's the way it was. Because at the end it says, then he believed. He knew. Then he knew. And I'm jumping ahead of myself here. He believed the words that Jesus said. What else could he do? What else did he have to get a hold of? I mean, he saw that Jesus was not going to come down with him to show him a miracle. Jesus just said it. So he believed it. He was going down. His servants met him. And told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Now see those short little words there. But it's a long ways from Cana to Capernaum. Did you ever look on a map? It's a long walk. <laughs> so it didn't, he didn't just walk out of the crowd and there they were, the servants meeting him. I mean, it didn't happen like that. It sounds like that if you don't think about the reality of the situation and understand the distance and everything. He went down. Why does it say that? Why does it say he just went back to Capernaum? He started back to Capernaum on his. That's why these versions it makes a difference. Every word of God is pure and it's right. And this is what's right. Don't mess with it. Don't take those words and change it just for no reason. What in the world? 
You miss it. I saw the other day some version they've got and it was changed. All it was doing was changing ye to you. That is a significant difference. Do they not understand Old English that that meant something? There's a difference in ye and you. The King James Bible uses ye and you. And it's two different things. But they just say, oh, that's the same thing. No, it's not. They're taking away part of the meaning of the Scripture. Thee and thou. Thee and... Well, yesterday, he inquired of them the hour when he began to amend. And that it was at the same hour. Wait, I'm skipping around here. I skipped a line. Hang on, let me get my place here. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour. In the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth. Oh, he hadn't forgot them words. And himself believed. I thought he already believed. There's a lot of times the Bible says they believed, he believed, when they really didn't fully believe. Now he believes. It's different now. Because he knew. So the Father knew. When you believe. It's different when you believe what you know than what you believe that you're hoping in. Yeah, that's true. Thy son liveth and himself believed and his whole house. That's a whole bunch more than he asked for. Yes, sir. <laughs> wow. He got more than just his son healed. His whole house got God. The token comes after believing and obeying, not before. And not immediately after we believe. Everybody's looking for that feeling, that instantaneous confirmation. You gotta believe and you gotta obey. Then you get the token. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's the way it works. We can prove that through the Bible over and over and over. Obedience brings the confirmation of our faith. Ain't it wonderful? We don't know how long it was after he went his way before he met his servants telling them that his son was alive. I've already said this. I jumped ahead of myself. It's quite a distance from Capernaum to Canaan. We're, we're told as he went down, that means lower and lower. I believe he, his, I, I believe the devil, well, I've got it written down here. It, it may have been very discouraging to him as he walked home without the Lord by his side. And without a doubt, the devil walked beside him and told him at every step that he's going to find his child dead when he got there. I guarantee you that's the way it was. So when he met his servants, and they said, he's okay. More than just getting better. He said, well, when did he start getting better? He didn't start getting better. He was healed immediately. At the seventh hour, yesterday, the fever left him. Then he knew that was the, that was the time when Jesus said those words, "Thy son liveth." So he knew. 
There's your token. There's your confirmation. There's your manifestation. There's God's affirmation to you. You trusted me? Now see, I did what I said. Don't you see you can trust me? Has He ever done that for you? Well, if He's done it for you before, why can't you trust Him for it tomorrow? (laughs) He had no token, no letter, nothing to bolster Him up except the fact that Jesus told Him, Thy son liveth. But when His servants met Him and told Him, His son was healed from the, the... His first question was... I'm repeating myself. His healing was immediate. And it was at precisely the time Jesus spoke the words, I son live. So then the father knew. It was not, it was not faith then, but sight. It was reality and not just desperate hope. Oh, listen to me. That is such a thing right there. What a wonderful thing. That's a miracle in itself. When you realize it's true. That's the way we're all going to be. When we hear the shout. And in the moment, in a twinkling of the eye and eye, we find ourselves in the presence of the Lord. Then we're going to know. It's going to be so overwhelming. How much do you think about it? It's good to think about it. But we can't imagine, really. It's beyond what we can imagine. I know the Bible describes it pretty clearly there. How it's all going to happen. But it's going to (laughs) happen. We're going to go up to Him, not down. We're going to meet Him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's over. The dark time is past for us who are caught up with Him. That's the blessed hope. He would have this hope in Him purify Himself. You're looking for Him? Are you looking for Him? <laughs> so, the understanding that is obvious from this account is that if you need a miracle, you can have a miracle. If you ask and trust without demanding confirmation before the fact. As so many people make a mistake, I really believe that. I've, I've listened to people pray for years and how, how they go about it. I've learned through experience this too. This man, he asked the Lord to come down and heal his son. That was not necessary for the Lord to come down to where His Son was. We can't put conditions and demand confirmations, but isn't that commonly what we commonly do? Lord, if if this is going to happen, please let this be. You know, all the time, like, giving it, give us a fleece. Give us a sign. Yeah. Except you see signs, you won't believe you got to have me do something to prove to you that what I'm saying to you is true before you'll believe it. Ain't the fact that I'm God enough for you? Isn't the fact that of what I've done, what you know about, what you've seen before in your life, isn't that enough for you? To take me at my word? 
If you're just seeking to see a miracle, to fascinate your superstitious mind, or somehow think it will strengthen your faith, you'll not see a miracle. You'll be deceived by fake fakery is what will happen to you. You'll believe a lie because you're, you're seeking it wrong. Jesus responds to real needs. Oh, is that a truth? Is that a truth that you can find in the Gospels on every page? If there's a need, Jesus don't walk away from it. He don't turn His head. He don't leave you in the dust. He had he, he looked upon the multitudes and had compassion on them. Now that's the heart of God. He don't look on men with disdain and disgust. He's not willing that any should perish. Can you understand that about God? That He hates evil. That things, certain things are abomination in His sight. But He still He ain't going to turn away. Everybody wants to put conditions. And, and you can read through the New Testament, read through the Gospels, and you'll find about every one of these man-made conditions bypassed by the Lord. That's right. I'm just amazed with Him. The more I learn about Him, the more amazed I am at Him. What, what a man... What a Lord. How he, how he cared. How He dealt with situations. Such wisdom. Such understanding. I mean, He knew what was in man. And He knew how to deal with it. And He did. And He knew all, men's, all of men's prejudices. And all of their doubts. And all of their skepticism. And, and it, you know, He just worked around through all of that. The qualifications. You want a miracle? You need a miracle? You gotta need it. You gotta ask for it. And you can't, it can't be that you just desire to see a miracle. It's not, you can't ask for a miracle so it'll help you believe. God don't do miracles on the credit. You gotta believe. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 and 10. Let me read this. Jesus responds to real needs when we finally realize that He is our only hope. And I say unto you, He said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to them that knocketh, it shall be opened. What assurance is that? <laughs> Ask, you shall receive. <laughs> Seek, and you shall find. Sit there and don't do nothing, you're not going to get anything. Don't ask me. Don't seek for me. Don't knock. Ask, seek, and knock. That, the, te- the context of that is the, 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 fr- the friend who came and because of his importunity and, you know, 
All I've ever heard about that is you just got to beat down the doors of heaven until God answers your prayer. Aggravate him until he just can't stand it no more so he'll give up and give you what you want. And that's what's in there. That's the lesson he's teaching us. Ask. Don't be afraid to ask me. Don't be afraid to seek me. Don't be afraid to knock. Get my attention. Come to me. Come unto me. Yeah. I'll show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. This is not a recipe or a plan to get what we want from God. But it is instruction on what to do when we have to have a miracle. Amen. People think that Baptists don't believe God works miracles. Oh, I most certainly do. But He doesn't do it for a circus act. He doesn't do it as a performance to please unbelieving people. He doesn't do it in order to create faith in people because miracles do not do that. If there's anything proven in the Bible, miracles do not make people believe. Miracles are God's response to our great need and our earnest prayer and our faith in what He says. That'll bring a miracle to your life. Father, thank You. Thank You for this sweet assurance. Thank You for the help that it gives to us. All of us need a miracle at Sometime or times in our lives we come to places where it's just impossible. And it must, we must have divine intervention. That's a miracle. And you promised us, you showed us by the example all the way through the Gospels here especially that you will hear And you'll respond on these three conditions. The great need, the earnest prayer, and the faith in your word. If we just trust what you say. And in your promises. You've given us so many. Innumerable. We can't even count them. Can't even begin to count what you have promised you would do for us. And Lord, help us to gain these things. Gain knowledge of these things. And... And keep them in our mind. Anchor our hope and our faith to what you have said. And trust you. Lord, we need some miracles. And I pray that we can see your hand at work. In Jesus' name. Amen.